Good morning, everyone. A very, very warm welcome to you all, uh, especially if you're here visiting or here for the first time. It's great to, uh, to have you uh, with us uh, this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing our series through the book of uh, Philippians, and uh, Colin will be uh, unpacking what it means uh, for us to grow uh, in Christian maturity. So we look, uh, look forward to that. Uh, and uh, finally, just to remind you, we all had some very sad news uh, over the, uh, uh, towards the end of last week of uh, Ian Fleming's uh, passing. Um, so please do continue to hold Beryl in your prayers. Uh, the funeral, I think, is on the 22nd uh, of this month, uh, and we'll circulate details uh, of that uh, later in the month. So let's uh, just take a moment now to pray for Ian, to pray for Beryl, and just to prepare our own hearts uh, as we uh, come into the Lord's presence this morning. So let's just have a moment of silence before I pray. Uh, Father God, uh, we do pray for Beryl. Uh, We uh, thank you for Ian and uh, the almost uh, 22 years of married life uh, that they shared. Thank you for Ian's gifts of character and his span of years. And uh, we do pray for your mercy uh, upon him. Uh, We do pray for Beryl as uh, she mourns. Uh, Please, uh, would you comfort her? Might she know your presence with her, sustaining her? Help us as a church family. Uh, support her in practical ways too. And we do pray for ourselves uh, as we come to this service this morning. Um, no doubt our minds are awash with uh, things uh, that are circulating in them. Father God, help us just to uh, take a moment now to put those things down. Uh, help us, uh, please, by your spirit uh, to raise our eyes to you. And please, would you Uh, speak to us this morning would you meet with us help us to be attentive to your still small voice in Jesus name Amen Please do uh, take a seat. Uh, We know that uh, God does indeed uh, love all that he has made. Indeed, we're told that God is uh, love. Uh, He loves you and he loves me. And Jesus has shown that in his life and the things that he has told us. That God will never turn anyone away who comes to him. But we know that uh, uh, we're not... All that the Lord calls us to be, we don't live in the way uh, that he wants us to live. And that saddens him. And that rebellion, that sin, as the Bible calls it, has spoiled not only our own lives, but it's spoiled the world uh, around us. And so it's right that we should come before God. I mean, God loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us where we are. So he calls us become more like his son. So it's right for us uh, to say sorry uh, to him. And uh, this morning we're going to do something a little bit interactive uh, so the young people can uh, can follow along. Uh, You all need uh, just a hand really uh, to to work your way through this confession. Um, So uh, first thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to make a fist uh, with our hands. And we're going to say sorry in the quietness of our own hearts 
uh, for the times where we have got angry with others. Uh, Now, use your hand to point with your index finger away from yourself. Father, we are sorry for the times we've blamed others. Seeing things wrong in others without recognizing how much is also wrong in us. Now close up your hand and place it uh, over your chest. We're sorry for the times that we have kept things selfishly for ourselves. Where we've not been prepared to give to those who need our help. Now put your hand over your mouth and just say sorry to God for the foolish words that we've spoken which have hurt other people. Put your hand over your eyes. We are sorry when we have deliberately chosen not to see the good things we could have done to help other people. Place your hand over one of your ears. And we are sorry for the times we have not listened to the cries of those who are poor and who suffer injustice. Now, if you uh, hold out your palm, Jesus says, if you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. So we bring all we are to Jesus, all our sins, our failures to love. And we say, thank you that you died for us so that we might be forgiven and start a new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in a way of remembering that, why don't you, uh, on your palm extended, Draw upon it a sign of a cross on your own palm. Just trace that out as a way just to remember that we have indeed been forgiven because of all that Christ has done. The grace of God has made me right. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we praise you, Lord, because you are the one true God, the maker of the universe, creator of all life. We praise you, Lord, because you are everything that is good. Your ways, Lord, are too mighty for us to understand, but we know and see through our lived experience and others' lived experience and the reading of your word that you are in control of all things, and that brings us great peace, hope, and comfort. We praise you, Lord, because of your loving grace and mercy extended to us in that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, and embrace all that that means, we find forgiveness, peace, hope for life on earth and for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for this great gift. Thank you, Lord, that we can meet here in freedom to hear your word. Thank you for our Bibles readily available and that we can practice and live out our faith in freedom. Help us not to take these things for granted. Help us to make the most of these opportunities. Thank you, Lord, for our homes and families, friends and work, and the relationships we have within our church family 
and the connection we have in Christ. Forgive us, Lord, when we give in to willfulness, pride, selfishness, greed, and all the other things which slow down and hinder our walk with you. Help us, Lord, to throw these things off and to love each other more. We do want to remember Beryl Fleming and all the family as they prepare for Ian's funeral. And in these early days of grief and the, the, grief, the days to come, please, Lord, bring comfort and strength to this family, to Beryl, and to all those who are grieving, whether recently or in times past. Heal the pain, Lord. Bring comfort. Bring hope. Please, Lord, be with Louise as she starts new treatment this week. Give peace and comfort to her and strength and wisdom to Dave as he cares for her. Please, Lord, continue to help Dave Green settle into life in PNG, in daily life, work and relationship building. Please continue to help him to have that joy and enthusiasm in his heart. And Lord, we want to pray for Steve and Matilda Smith as they prepare for three months break in Canada later in the year. We pray for preparations to come together smoothly. Thank you that the Warney Bible is being typesetted. We pray for strength, energy, as the work is done from various places, that they would pull the work together and it would run smoothly. Thank you for other Bible translations that are, that are going ahead. We just commit all these things to you, Lord, and thank you for this blessing. We do want to pray for dads and tots on Saturday for good fun, for helpful and fruitful conversations and for deepening of relationships that are already being formed. We thank you for the team doing the food and we just pray, Lord, into that and just ask that you would continue to bless. Lord, we want to pray for Medicroft this afternoon, for the team going and for all those attending, that this service would be a blessing and encouragement to all and that those who have and perhaps put faith on hold or not thought about you for many years, might just uh, be mindful of what you're trying to say to them, Lord, and that people would come to you in faith. We pray, Lord, for John Billet uh, preaching at Criers Hill today in Wickham. Pray that you would go with him, Lord, that you would strengthen him, give him the words to speak. Pray for good relationships there, Lord, and that you would just help him as he does this. And Lord, we pray for our own pastors today as they lead and preach and everything that goes on today at church, Lord. We pray that you would bring clarity of thought and word and for us, Lord, that you would open our hearts that we might hear what you're trying to say to us, Lord, and that we would take it on board. So we just pray for a real blessing today, Lord, from you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us in so many ways. Every day, Lord, we thank you for daily bread, all that you give us and all that we are in Christ. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The readings from Philippians 2, verse 12 to 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, But now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, 
as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Please do, if you have a Bible, do keep it open uh, to Philippians 2. Uh, as we come to God's word, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the gift that it is. And we pray, Father, that, that by the power of your spirit, that you would uh, change us uh, through it and by it. That we would be people who are more like Christ as a result of meeting with you this morning. Help me, I pray, as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a, a Saturday night uh, game show, which has taken off uh, quite a lot of attention and excitement, if you like, is the good, fun, and newly revamped show called Gladiators. Contestants from all over the, the UK come to test themselves against these finely trained athletes as they go head-to-head -head with them, sometimes getting battered by them in every event. But ultimately, they compete against one another in the, the final event, the Eliminator, with the fastest person going through the, through the course and then scaling the Travelator to then uh, smash through uh, the, the checkered tape as they claim the prize. In one way, it is a picture of the, the Christian life, uh, that it's, the Christian life is described as a race. We are described like athletes running in that race, striving to get to the finish line and receive our reward. But in another way, sometimes as Christians, we can begin to think that, well, yes, salvation that we have is a gift. Uh, it's something that we receive by grace through faith, nothing that we have done. But now when we become a Christian, we think, we may start to think much like the contestants in some way, that I have to really do my best, that it's really down to me to live this Christian life. Because as we, like the contestants, get battered by life, hopefully maybe the thought is that we'll do enough to get over the, the finish line, to get there. Hopefully my efforts will be enough to prove myself worthy. But as we'll see from the passage this morning, that actually as we mature as Christians, known as sanctification, we don't do that in our own strength. Because we want to grow in Christian maturity. We want to grow in Christian maturity as believers. And we do that firstly as we acknowledge God at work in us. We acknowledge God at work in us. Again, in this part of the letter, just like the other section, Paul begins with the word, therefore. As we look to the previous verses, we're, we're called to, to live a life like Jesus, to, to live a life of devotion to him. As we look to what Christ has done for us in the, in the verses from, from 5 to 11. As he humbled himself from the glory of heaven, to come and die for us on a Roman cross. But he was, he was raised from dead and God gave him the name that is above every name. And so that at the name of Jesus, every tongue would confess that he is the Lord. 
As one commentator says, oh, these verses, verses 5 to 11, are given for our benefit, not just to provoke worship, but to empower obedience. Not just to provoke worship, but to, prov- to provoke obedience, to empower obedience. That's when our eyes and our hearts are filled with wonder and awe at all that the Lord Jesus has done for us, then the obvious question is, what do you want me to do, Jesus? How do you want me to live for you as my Lord? How do you want me to respond? And that's really the the way of thinking that Paul enters these verses into. Paul addresses the Philippians from verse 12. It's saying this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works, works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He addresses the Philippians as his dear friends, or if you have an ESV Bible, he says, my beloved. He loves them so much as they continue to, to obey the Lord, to, to follow Jesus. They are going really well in their faith. Because they face opposition. The context is that they face opposition from outside the church and they face division from within the church as well. And so Paul calls them to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Fear, not not terror, but a sense of reverence and awe in light of the fact that Jesus is Lord. Because as we recognize that in our own lives, then we will work out our salvation as we see God at work in us. We work out our salvation as God works in us. Because it's God who who changes our desires, it's God who empowers us to change, and it's God who fulfills his good purposes in us that will ultimately bring us to glory on the final day. He will keep us. It is because God is sovereign and at work in us that we can work out our salvation. Because any change in us is a work of the grace of God in our lives. And therefore, it's not a, not a passive process, but an active one. Not a passive one, but an active one. And maybe perhaps in your own life, you've had the experience uh, as you've tried to, to stop doing things that you know you shouldn't. Maybe to try and stop some sinful habits. And so maybe as you fail at times in those, maybe you've come up with the thought of, well, I'm just going to let go and let God. It's quite a common phrase to, for people to say that. I'm just going to let go and let God. Or maybe the, the idea, which some might say, of you know, Jesus take the wheel, for example, in our lives. Maybe it's the thought that really, as we stumble through the Christian life, maybe we, can, we try our best to, to get over things. We try our best not to sin, but we do sin. Then we are tempted really at times just to throw our hands up in the air and say, well, I'll just let go and let God. I can't do it myself. In fact, as I look around me, nobody else seems to. Nobody else seems to care. So why should I bother? Let me just let go and let God. If we think like that, it really is a case of Christian fatalism. That really, I've, I've done my best, but it didn't work. And so, in a way, with religious language, we just give up. 
But these verses tell us that because God is at work transforming us, then in his power, we can prayerfully and actively work out our salvation. We can keep going because God is at work in us. It is because God is sovereign, we can work out our salvation. We don't give up. We keep going because God is at work in us. It means really if we're, if we're tempted perhaps to, to turn back to the old way of life, maybe a life of, of drinking, of drugs, or casual relationships, we can actually see, no, 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 God is at work in my life right now. He is powerfully changing me. He is changing my desires and my thoughts that I would make better decisions and pursue better relationships, other friendships, or not go to certain places. It means really if, if we're tempted maybe to look at things online that we know that we shouldn't, or if we're tempted just to scroll endlessly through social media, then God gives us the power to say no. He gives us the power and the self-control to be able to put our phone away, maybe keep it out of our bedroom, and maybe put some blocks on it as well. That we would take responsibility as he works in our lives. It might be that we have to have a, a difficult conversation with people. Perhaps at home or at school or at work or maybe with other believers. We can engage in that conversation. Because God is at work in us. He's changing us. Changing our lives. It might be that there's a temptation to gossip then God helps us to say no, to prayerfully resist it, and to walk with him each moment of the day. Maybe it's perhaps even the struggle of, of anxious thoughts during the day. Maybe at times we just feel lonely. Even in those moments, we can turn to the Lord in prayer, knowing that he is with us. He is our rock and refuge, our comfort and our strength. As in reality, because God is at work in us, we can respond to him. As we look to him to keep going in the Christian life, we don't give up because God is at work in us. As the famous uh, pastor, Christian uh, Charles Spurgeon once said, in the storms of life, we find our anchor in Christ. Perseverance is not the absence of challenges but the presence of Christ through them. We keep going because Christ is with us by his spirit that we would keep persevering in the Christian life, seeking to live for Jesus. Yes, we will fail. Yes, we will sin. But we keep going knowing, knowing that God is with us. He is with us and for us. Because we grow in the Christian life through the work that he works in us. We grow in Christian maturity as we acknowledge God at work in us. And secondly, we grow in Christian maturity as we live distinctive lives. We live distinctive lives. Paul, he then gives an example of what it looks like to work out our salvation. As he says to the Philippians from verse 14, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation 
Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Grumbling is something of a British pastime, is it not? Locally, maybe it's the issue of the of the broadband provider ripping up the roads every day and then ripping up the same bit of road the next day <laughs> and then putting traffic lights out, as you see in Love Crendon. <laughs> Quite an ironic title at times. Or maybe there's the potholes in the road or there's the workmen that come and repair the potholes in the road or there's the local GP surgery or there's the trains that don't work or when they do work, they cost the earth. And then there's a thing of, well, things cost more. They cost more every day. They seem to cost more every week. And then there's a chaos in the world. There's a corruption in the politics. There's, there's a mess in the world with wars. There's the climate. There's my own life. There's my family. There's my work. There's my health. Everything seems to be a problem. Because really, we can complain about everything. It takes no effort to complain. It takes no effort to grumble. None. Maybe though we are just a, a very positive person by nature. As we see the glass as half full. Or maybe we're perhaps a more pessimistic person sees the glass as half empty. Or maybe you're Scottish like me and you see it as half empty and someone's going to drink the rest of it. <laughs> because really there's always something to complain about, isn't there? There's always ammo. To give us room for complaint. And yet Paul's reference here to grumbling is really set in a context where he's speaking of being children of God in a warped and crooked generation. And it refers back to Old Testament Israel wandering in the wilderness. Because Israel and the Philippians are both experiencing suffering as they try to obey the Lord. They're really suffering because they try and walk with him. And Paul calls them not to be like Israel, who grumble against both their leaders and God. Ultimately, their complaint is not actually aimed at one another, nor at their leaders, but at the Lord. As Moses says of their grumbling later in, uh, in Deuteronomy, oh, excuse me, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, verse 6, he says this, is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? He is not your father. Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? Can you see really that when we, when we grumble against one another, our ultimate complaint is not actually against other people. It is supremely against the Lord, the one who made us. But the call, is, as Paul says really to the Philippians here, is... Dear friends, or my beloved. That's not who we are anymore. Because in Christ, we're not like that. That's not who we are. We're not to live as, as grumbling and argumentative people. That is the old way of living. The life before Christ. Because in Christ today, we are blameless. We are pure. And we are children of God without fault. Maybe as you read the verses there, it might, it might look like we have to earn our way. But what he's saying is really, no, no, as you live out your identity as those in Christ, you will show yourself to be this. As you grow as mature Christians, 
you will show yourself to be those who are in Christ. Because when we are in Christ, when we trust in the Lord Jesus, this is who we are. This is our identity. That we are blameless. That we are pure. That we are children of God without fault. We don't earn our way to being this, but it's who we are in Christ. As we live like this, we will display to the world who we are. As Paul says, you will shine in the world like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Because as we hold firmly to the word of life, then we will hold out the word of life. As we hold to it, we will hold it out to others. And that's certainly the case for many today when it comes to the challenge of sexuality, especially for young people, but not only. When I was uh, living in Italy a few years ago as a missionary, my flatmate, uh, let's call him John, who did ministry among students, he battled with same-sex attraction. He said that actually other Christians would make it quite hard for him, uh, telling him, actually, that he he couldn't do ministry because of his battle, because of his struggle. But he said, if Jesus is my Lord, how can I live to please myself? If he is my Lord, how can I live to please myself? He said, the homosexual lifestyle is presented by many as freedom and joy. But he said, it's only really darkness and, and shame that's attached to it when you live it out. He said it's not an easy journey, knowing actually that he might never get married. But he has no regrets and no guilt when it comes to following and obeying Jesus. Because he said there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we are called to hold firmly to the word of God. But it's not just God's word. It's not described as God's word. It is the word of life because god's word it's not an oppressive word it is a liberating word to live for jesus is to live live a life of fullness fullness of joy as we lay down our own desires and live for him as our lord because we've been freed from all of our sins that we can rejoice in all that he's done for us as god's word is an intensely personal word. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus, he is now my Lord. How can I deny him with my life? Because we grow in Christian maturity, really, as we acknowledge God at work in us, we live distinctive lives, and lastly, as we pour ourselves out for others. We pour ourselves out for others. Paul is delighted with the Philippians as they continue to obey Jesus and hold to his words. And as he says in the second part of verse 16, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. This is Paul's heart really as a a gospel minister that he would present his beloved people on the last day that they would reach that day of Christ. And that is my heart for each one of you this morning as well, that you would do that as well, that you would persevere in the Lord Jesus to the very last day.
That when it comes to our sins, our grievances, the things that people have said against us, let us look not to ourselves, but to the Lord to receive his forgiveness afresh each day. To keep a soft heart for Jesus and a warm heart for others. A soft heart for Jesus and a warm heart for others. As, as love does not keep a record of wrongs, and so how can we? As Psalm 130 says, If you, Lord, kept a record of wrongs, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Let us look to our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, each and every day, that we would receive his grace and forgiveness in all its fullness, as we look to one another in love. Let us love one another. Because as we look to love one another, we do so by giving ourselves in service. As Paul says from verse 17, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is he's really encouraged by the faith of the Philippians as they continue to press on and he wants to press he wants them to press on all the more and he's encouraged by what they are doing. To gladly pour himself out is his desire. He wants to give himself, to pour himself out in service of others, to give himself in love. Perhaps a, a recent example of that, you may have seen it, is Kevin Sinfield, who poured himself out for his friend Rob Burroughs. Kevin, he ran seven ultra marathons in seven days to raise millions of pounds for his friend Rob after being diagnosed with MND, motor neuron disease, in 2019. He wanted to show love and support to his friend, and so he did all this, all these marathons for him. As he crossed the finishing line at the Leeds Marathon, he picked Rob up from his wheelchair, and as he's about to cross the finishing line, gave him a kiss on his cheek. Kevin gladly and sacrificially poured himself out for his friend. In love, he gave himself for him. And perhaps as we think about giving ourselves for one another as a church family, maybe it means that that we just give ourselves in prayer for one another. To pray for our missionaries, to pray for those in our home groups, to pray for those who are sick, to pray for those around us that perhaps don't know Jesus yet, that we would be people who are pouring ourselves out in prayer for one another. Maybe if we're not serving in a ministry yet and we're able, it would be to to give ourselves, to pour ourselves out in service of others, either on a Sunday or through the week. Maybe it's to actively give ourselves to one another to maintain unity within the church as we share the love of Jesus with one another, to pray for our leaders to encourage one another in the Lord and look for ways to serve one another. Just as Paul speaks of of being poured out like a drink offering, he's really referring to the Old Testament practices in the temple because Paul rejoices in pouring himself out for others as he reminds reminds people of all uh, all that he's able to do 
as he looks to actually the one who gave himself in the most ultimate way. Because at the cross, Jesus emptied himself for us. Jesus poured himself out for us. In love, he gave himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God raised him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And therefore, therefore, we gladly, joyfully give ourselves to one another. We pour ourselves out for others as Christ poured himself out for us. The one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we rejoice in all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. The king of glory who stooped down and died for us so that he would draw us up into the everlasting eternal arms of our loving heavenly father, that we through his work would receive our eternal reward. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing work on our behalf. We thank you that you have poured yourself out for us on the cross, that you humbled yourself to death, even death on a cross, that you would give yourself ultimately for us. And we thank you, Lord, for all your work in us. Help us to never give up, but to lean into you, to persevere in the strength that you give us, that we would live distinctive lives for you. Help us to pour ourselves out for one another as a pleasing sacrifice to you, that you would get all the glory from our lives. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that does bring us uh, to the end of our service. Uh, my prayer is as you journey through, uh, the Lord has spoken to you uh, this morning, uh, that you've met with him uh, by his spirit uh, and through his word. Uh, please do spend a few minutes uh, just to sit and reflect on what God has said to you, what you've heard him say, and pray that through uh, with the people around you or find somebody wearing a red lanyard. We'd love to be able to encourage your hearts and bring what's on your heart before the Lord, if that would be helpful. Just to uh, remind you that there is tea and coffee after the service. Um, we will be gathering again this evening at six o'clock. Please do join us uh, for that as we continue our series uh, looking at the book of Joshua. And uh, to close, some words uh, from 2 Peter, the very end of uh, his letter. He writes this as an encouragement for us as well. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.